lecture sixteen part two of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture sixteen on humility as the counterpart of charity part two true charity to our neighbour is to love him whether friend or foe as we love ourself in god unto god and for god's sake for the charitable love of our neighbour is embraced in the love of god proceeds from the love of god and ends in the love of god the true test of this charity which our lord has given us is the love of those who are inimical to us of which he gives us a great example in his conduct to the traitor judas for knowing that he would betray him he still kept him in his company and gave him his body and blood and at the moment of betrayal he called him friend and allowed the treacherous kiss nothing makes us more like to god than to forgive those who offend and injure us and we may certainly obtain more grace and glory from god through persecution than through kindness if we know how to use it rightly thus the persecutors were more profitable to the eternal glory of the martyrs than their friends but we ought to love our neighbours as ourselves by desiring them all the good and the absence of all the evil that we desire ourselves and by doing for them whatever service we can especially in their needs charity is the rectitude of the soul correcting her aberrations bringing up to straightness what has been bent and deformed in her inclinations and lifting the affections upwards towards the summit of good charity is the beauty and dignity of the soul this beauty comes to her in the gift of love from the infinite beauty of god and she receives a reflection of beauty from all the good that she loves in charity charity is the living form of the virtues animating them with life and vigour and directing them to their final end st paul expresses all the value of charity when he calls it the bond of perfection colossians chapter three verse fourteen for it unites the soul with god and through her union with god unites her also with the angels and saints and by sympathy with all the good that god has anywhere imparted for charity is all-embracing of good as it proceeds from that divine charity which either is all good or is productive of all good and is therefore inclined to all good being rooted and founded in charity says st paul you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know also the charity of god which surpasseth all knowledge that you may be filled unto all the fullness of god ephesians chapter three verses seventeen through nineteen charity not only unites the parts of the spiritual structure as st anthony of padua observes but gives to the powers and to the virtues which they exercise their proper pliant and suitable conditions and their free and responsive dispositions for example the mind to loving faith the heart 
to loving obedience the eyes to modesty and the body to purity glass is a fragile thing but when fused in the fire it is ductile to new forms and tenacious of the form received our sensual nature is as fragile as glass but is tractable and reformable under the fire of charity charity is the way to man as well as to god it conciliates all intelligences and though there may be much excitement in what the world calls pleasure there is no solid joy of life or peace of heart except in charity but though charity is one and all who are in charity are united in one and the same charity there are many degrees of its communication and growth in individual souls which is owing to their several conditions when born in the soul it is incipient when nourished in the soul it advances further within when rooted and founded in the depth of the soul it is perfect when god is desired above all things whatsoever it is most perfect as charity and justice are one saint augustine measures the advancement of charity by the advancement of justice charity begun he says is justice begun charity advanced is justice advanced great charity is great justice and perfect charity is perfect justice st bonaventure the seraphic doctor of charity has given us the signs by which to know the presence of perfect charity it is perfect he says when it has become a great habit direct in its interior motive solicitous in its exterior works firmly consolidated in its root discreet in its fervour and consoling in its sweetness what then are the relations of humility with charity this is a most important question humility disposes the soul and prepares the way for charity and greater humility prepares and disposes the soul for greater charity for the goodness of the divine charity is not restrained but is always ready to be communicated more generously where the soul is able to receive its abundance and humility makes her able and the charity received increases humility for humility is the counterpart of charity both these points we must now explain we must first repeat that maxim of eternal truth which is the foundation of the whole economy of grace and which is therefore repeated in so many forms in the sacred scriptures that god resists the proud but gives his grace to the humble and we may add as a necessary consequence that he gives his greatest graces to the most humble for pride falsifies the man but humility makes him truthful pride is the radical injustice of the soul but humility strives to be just to god to self and to all creatures pride thinks of self above all things humility looks to god above all things pride presumes upon one's own self-sufficiency humility sees and feels one's utter inefficiency pride feels no want of the divine help 
humility feels the want of god in everything pride has no desire beyond self-satisfaction humility can never rest contented without the charity of god pride is the revolt of the soul from god and is always aiming at independence humility is subject to god and looks on the isolation of independence with horror as on a desert of solitude pride closes the heart against god humility opens the heart to god wherefore humility is the proper disposition and the due preparation for receiving the charity of god who gives his grace to the humble it seems almost irreverent to put the question but how can the divine generosity dwell with ungodly selfishness how can god enter with his holiest gift into a soul whose pride resists him how can he unite with a soul that prefers herself to him how can he spread abroad his love in a heart already filled through all its veins and passages with the love of self how can he infuse the most precious gift of eternal life into a soul that prefers her own life and that will only abuse the gift of gifts in the interests of pride god must recall his gift as soon as given for there is no society between charity and pride between the holy and the profane between christ and belial if god is charity says saint basil the devil must be pride and as he who abideth in charity abideth in god he who abideth in pride must abide in the devil god cannot abide with pride but only with humility for the lord is high and looketh on the low and the high he knoweth afar off psalm one hundred thirty six verse six even when the deadly pride of mortal sin has been vanquished by the grace of humility and penance and charity is restored the remains of pride will lurk in certain faculties of the soul and impede the perfection of charity from the want of perfect humility many of the fathers and saints have dwelt upon the essential and intimate relations that prevail between these consummate virtues the relations between which have been repeatedly expressed by st augustine in terms like these if you dig deep within you the foundations of humility you will come to the summit of charity by which the saint intimates that although humility is founded in divine grace it is the fruit of great labor whilst charity is given to the humble without labor in the celebrated letter to the virgin demetriades already quoted the author says humility and charity are in no wise separate from each other such is their connection that whoever is constructed in the one is possessed of the other for as humility is a part of charity charity is a part of humility saint caesarius of arles says true humility never was never is and never can be without charity fire cannot be without heat and brightness nor charity without humility saint valerian says humility is the intimate association of charity 
st peter of cluny writes to st bernard where charity is absent humility is absent and where humility is absent charity is absent blosius says no one grows or advances in charity who does not grow in humility thomas a kempis writes the way to charity is through humility for to indulge in self-elation is to go far from charity st teresa writes i can neither understand nor conceive how humility exists or can exist without love or love without humility we might quote on indefinitely but these passages from such great authorities will suffice to impress this important truth on the mind all sincere love even in the natural order has in it a self-forgettingness a devotedness and a submission of inclination to the person beloved a kind of natural humility that makes it an image of the union of humility with charity to leave lovers out though none have or profess to have more of this kind of humility than those who sue in courtship this union of self-renunciation with affection is realized in friendship in a happy marriage and in a mother's devotedness to her children the true friend has no pride with his friend his heart is open to him he gives up his selfishness for him he is devoted to him he yields many inclinations to him and when occasion calls for it he is ready to make sacrifices on his account a happily married pair are not only devoted to each other and live in each other but the very foundation of their happiness is in the surrender that each makes to the other of their selfish inclinations all which becomes easy through their mutual affection consider the blended humility and love of a mother towards her children she is all self-forgetfulness devotedness and service she descends into all their little ways and lives in them more than in herself becoming almost a child with them whilst retaining her maternal authority and this humility of love springs from the united sense of duty and affection these examples may help to explain how there can be no true love of any kind without a proportionate self-renunciation and humility for the one element is the essential counterpart of the other for humility is the sacrificial element in all sincere love for as love is the transfer of our affection from oneself to another it includes a surrender of self-love and this surrender is humility but when we give up our love from ourselves to god this giving up of our love of self to god is humility and the love that we give to god is charity hence st john chrysostom calls humility maximum sacrificium the greatest of all sacrifices because it is the sacrifice of self consider the sacrifice of our lord jesus christ the model of all sacrifice perfect humility was its foundation and perfect charity its end he gave his whole nature to the father and the father gave him all charity and power for the saving of mankind 
we have drawn more than one illustration of the spiritual from the material world and we may here introduce another electricity is one of the great and secret elements of material nature which has perhaps a nearer analogy with spiritual power than any other although the knowledge of its function in the universe is as yet but little understood this however appears to be the fundamental law of its action that the positive electric force cannot move without the negative there must be a vacuity or a capacity before this mysterious power can act or move so it is with charity god is always ready to impart to souls the fire of divine love but there must be a negative a vacuity of self a capacity to receive its action humility and charity are the negative and positive poles of sanctity and the positive pole of charity will only act where there is the negative pole of humility to explain this in another way we cannot approach one object or place without leaving another this law arises from our limitation here again is the negative and the positive we cannot approach to god without leaving ourselves for it is impossible in the nature of things to concentrate our affections on ourselves and yet open and expand them towards god the leaving ourselves is humility the approaching to god is charity in one and the selfsame act the will or love of the soul abandons the less for the greater self for god this fundamental law of human sanctity is expressed in the words of the psalm already repeatedly quoted empty yourself and see that i am god psalm forty five verse eleven or as in the hebrew text cease and see that i am god that is to say cease from yourself vacate yourself or as st augustine puts it pour out yourself that you may be filled with god there is but one impediment to this but one adversary of the divine grace and that is the unjust and extravagant love of oneself through this cupidity not love for love is not given to self but to another we form an idol within our heart of which we make a god and serve as a god and secretly compare it with god and without any act of judgment prefer it to god this false god is a fiction blown together from many base materials which in the whole amount to nothing better than a lying pretension to an excellence we do not possess and to an assertion of merit that in no wise belongs to us cease from all this says the almighty empty yourself of this and you will see and know that i am god as humility is the just thought of what we are and the right action of our will towards god from the knowledge of what he is to us we come to see our poverty in the light of his excellence and then descending from our conceits and renouncing our fictitious independence we honestly endeavor to be the subjects of god and he gives us his charity and friendship and we partake in his life 
and this infused fire of life passes into our will and from the will into all the powers and we live in god but this new life gives us a new sense the sense of god and by this sense we know that without this life from god we are poor weak blind and senseless and the nearer we bring our hearts to god the more sensible we become that life is from god and not from us thus charity infuses a new grace of deeper humility which as we labor to make fruitful obtains for us yet greater charity not that one charity is added to another for there is but one charity but that charity penetrates more deeply into the soul and is more expanded in proportion as the soul is more vacated of self-love and more subject to the divine gift and more active in cooperation thus the charity that inspires greater humility and the greater humility that opens the way to still greater charity augments the virtuous action of the soul in two directions in greater contempt of self and in greater admiration of god in more complete abandonment of self and in stronger adhesion to god in greater hatred of self and in greater love of god who has truly loved god and has never felt those moments of intense peace that arise from forgetfulness of self in god such moments so filled with life are a foretaste of the eternal peace compare those moments with the hours of trouble in the one case self is almost forgotten in god and time and place seem almost to have receded from us in the other it is our troubled self that is before us and our wounded self-love is the cause of all our distress god holds but the second place in our feelings time hangs heavily on us and place seems to reflect our pain there is no cure for this state of things but the humility that gives us self-renunciation and the charity that gives us wisdom end of lecture sixteen part two